gonna make sure it's recording for you too. Yeah, you fucking better. What does it look like I'm oh, doing? I'm so Sorry, I'm just tired. You know, it's okay. <laughs> scary girl hi everybody hey everyone i'm stephanie and i'm sarah and this is dead time stories a weekly podcast where sarah and i get together to talk about ghost stories true crime mysteries cults conspiracies the supernatural paranormal or even just the generally weird eerie spooky strange stuff that we want to talk about that week why is that sarah because it is our show and And not yours And it is our show because we ain't got any more guests. That's right. Welcome back, Sarah. Guestoberfest is over. Welcome back. It's just us. And today's guest, no. (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's a a ghost. If this is your first time listening to the show, stop. Stop. Go Go back back to the beginning. Go to the beginning. Grumblethorpe to my mouth a little bit. You should catch up. You should follow along in the journey that is us becoming who we are today. Yes, and we are still evolving. We are still tunneling down, 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 further and further. So yeah, go back. Go back right now and listen to it from yeah. the beginning. Thank you. And welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Is this going to be like an NPR episode? That's what I, I swear well, I'm going saying. right now, yeah. Welcome to Dead Time Stories. You know, I'm, I'm, still, uh, I'm a little tired. Uh, I am at the <laughs> second to last weekend of Halloween nights at Eastern State Penitentiary. So if you are in the Philadelphia area or, you know, if you're rich and can fly out to Philly on a whim, you still have one weekend left to catch me at the Speakeasy. And I uh I'm having a I'm having a good time and I'm ready for it to be over. I'm very tired. I'm also this is the first episode since the beginning of Snatcherella where I can share how that's going as well. Uh so I wanna say uh, I thought of something funny on the way over here, and I'm going to do it. What, it's not that funny now that I think about it, but I'm doing it anyway. What, so if is you, it happening? What's happening? You should be buying. <laughs> uh, tickets for Eastern State are cheaper online, just like they are at Snatcherella. You should buy them online rather than buying them at the door. If you want to go to the Bloodline Lounge and to the Speakeasy, you should buy a VIP ticket online. Otherwise, if you just want to come to the Speakeasy, uh, you should, at the door, use the coupon code <laughs> Friend of Judy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I can maybe uh, get you in there. That's what I was going to say about that. And at Snatcherella, we have complete, we've completed four weeks at this point, and I am still in the competition. Yes, I she actually is. won week one. That was exciting. Yeah. Uh, week two, I was in the bottom three, so it was a roller coaster of emotions. I was on the bottom two, so I did not lip sync for my life, but I was in the bottom three, and uh, it was uh, it was jarring. And the following week, I was just plain safe. And then this past week, it was Divas Live, and I did a bitch in Freddie Mercury, man. Yes. Uh, and I was in the top three. I did not win, but I was in the top three. So so far, my journey in this competition has been winner, winner, chicken dinner, uh, bottom three, safe, top three. Yep. Uh, Christina said they're giving me the hero's edit, which I'm fond (laughs) of. I hope that that is accurate. Uh, But it's very, very exciting. And especially this past week when I did the Freddie Mercury thing, the judges all really talked about my versatility and how like week by week they never know what to expect from me and it's always something different and they're always very excited and that I, I always give 
an amazing performance that Yay. is of a, a high imagination and very different from what I did the week before. And Yay. that is really, really cool. And if nothing else, uh, there's going to be a reunion. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and that is the second to last week. I believe it is the 9th. I'll have to double check that. Of December. Of December, yes. But you currently, like, at least still have one more chance I'm going to be in this coming week. And this coming week at Snatcherella, which will be, I guess, it'll be last night by the time this episode comes out. But this coming week is going to be the disco ball. Mm -hmm. And it's the first week that we have to have a runway look. It's going to be a ball. So, you know. If you do come out to Snatcherella at some point, make sure that you tell them that Polly Wanda Cracker sent you. And if nothing else, uh, if I don't win it, I hope uh, I could get the Miss Congina Londra. That's what they. Oh, is that what it's called? <laughs> Congina Londra for Snatcherella. That's so silly. Oh, my god. So goodness. last season's Miss, Con- <laughs> Miss Congina Londra was uh, a Savvy, who was really, really amazing performer. But I'm like, you know, if I'm not Miss Snatcherella season two, I would love to be Miss Congina Londra season two. That's such a silly name. Congina Londra. I love it so much. That's it. Snatcherella and Congina Londra. The duo coming to your stage next week. In, in Philly, man. Come out. There it is. Yeah. I'm I'm off for the rest of the year, and it is bliss. Yeah, you're not going to take anything for the rest of the year? I don't think there's anything coming up that I want to do. Sure, that's fair. Other than try to just get my life, life together. Yeah, sure. Ooh, yeah. Next, that's what I'm hoping. Like, and considering uh, we're already like a month and a half away from the new year, me saying I'll take the rest of the year off is not a lot of time. Yeah, I would like to finish this production and move on to my next role uh, in getting my shit together, starring me as myself. Exactly. That's where I'm at right now. Top billing. Um, Sarah Hedden. Ooh, they gave you top billing. <laughs> it's it actually starts with Sarah Hedden's in getting her shit together. With by Sarah Hedden's produced by Sarah Hedden's. Uh, uh, but let me ask you this. Do you get uh, final in the curtain call? Are you the last one that comes out in the curtain call? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm the first and the last. The first and the last. First okay. and the last. And then instead of directing out to like, thank your lighting you just designer, say, you I just, just <laughs> I point to myself. And, and then like, thank me. Um, you know how normally like the cast will sometimes give like flowers to the director at the end of a run. Like I'm just going to give myself flowers and <laughs> point to myself and say, Is, how are you going to get them? Are you going to go off together? stage and get them? Or yes. going to bring? Oh, okay. Yes. And I'm going to make a big to do of like pushing them out to like hand them like off to my right. And then I'm going to walk over and then I'm going to like take, take them, them from yourself. Which it's also going to be great because that's going to show all of my miming skills. Um, so will they be just real further, flowers or will you just be pantomiming the flowers? Uh, it's art. So the flowers might not even be there, but you are going to believe. You're going to understand that, that the to be a bouquet there. of flowers because you're I Actually, I'm going to go off stage. I'm going to turn into a bouquet of flowers <laughs> and I'm going to come out. <laughs> is that a costume or is that a literal transformation? <laughs> it's up to you to decide. That's the art. <laughs> Does this mean I have my shit together yet? No, you're just making me think of like all the bits I like to do at um, Halloween nights and <laughs> some of the like weird reactions that I've gotten. And most of the time, like the jokes that just really work. So um, 
the whole idea, right, is that it's Esther's flower shop is the cover business for the speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Some people get it and some people are like really confused and you have to like really spell it out for them. And <laughs> one of my first nights there, this guy, I was like, you know, yeah, you come into the speakeasy, you use this ticket, you're going to go in there, you're going to get a drink from the bartender, but don't tell nobody there's no drinks here. You understand? There's no alcohol, no alcohol in this joint. And he was like, I'm the sorry, over there. your acting is really confusing me. Like, is there or is there not alcohol? <laughs> and I was like, Yes, mister. <laughs> and when uh, when I'm on the bar now, again, I like to say there's no copyright on jokes in the speakeasy because every now and then you'll hear somebody say something. You're like, oh, that's really funny. And you'll take it. And everybody kind of does that from each other. A bit that got taken from me and now everybody does it. And I try to be honored by that is uh, my bit was that I write my songs. Every time I go up to talk about the song I'm about to sing, I'm like, oh, I wrote this number when I was going through this. And now everybody is like, oh, when I wrote this song, and I'm like, that's my bit. That's okay. That's okay. We can all use it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so one that I know I took from other people is being on the bar, and I'm like, you know, hi, welcome to Esther's Flower Shop. I'll be your florist this evening. Your options are a pale ale. We got a hard <laughs> And then I like to say all the drinks, and then I like to go, and if you're under 21 and you're a cop, I got water and soda. And everybody always laughs at that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a cop. Sometimes somebody will be like, I am a cop. And we'll be like, you take bribes. <laughs> you can leave. <laughs> A-cab. Uh- <laughs> right. And I, I try not to say that. I did make a joke last night that I was like, I'm glad my manager's not here. because She'd probably be like, don't make that joke again. I like to sing Fever. And I talk about how um, when, I, when I wrote this song, uh, I was dying of consumption. Which uh, is tuberculosis, and <laughs> and I say that I didn't know that I was sick. I thought I was just love sick, and that was why I wrote this song. And last night I was like, I didn't realize I was coughing from the consumption, you know, because back in those days I still had a gag reflex. So, oh I'm, my god! <laughs> and I heard, I heard my friend Mia like just just lose it over the corner, <laughs> and I was like, Ooh. I was like, that joke's funny, but I probably I, should, I, I probably anymore. would not get away with that if my manager was in this room right now. <laughs> she would laugh, but she would be like, that was funny, but like you, you can't do that. Do that. <laughs> That was Stephanie. That was I just want to let you know it was great. It was really wonderful on your feet. I get it. It got a good laugh, but you really can't do can't that do joke that. anymore. Somebody I really I, just need like I need you to know that like you just I appreciate the work that you're doing. You can't do that. You can't do that, that joke anymore. Do you, un- do you understand why. Yeah, I don't you know. I shouldn't be having this conversation with you because I know that you know better. Do you have any questions? All right. Okay, good. But yeah, it's a good time. You come out, <laughs> tell them at the at the front that you're a friend of Judy. That's the password. And that's how you get the drugs. No, 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 oh, no, no, what? no, There's no drugs. No. <laughs> no, that's not a... Co- there's there's alcohol that you, we pretend we don't have. We actually don't have the drugs. I'm not just pretending we don't have drugs. <laughs> that's it, man. That's it. Come out. Support me as an artist before I go into hiding and go through my period of Trying to get seasonal affective disorder. Oh. <laughs> Where I'm just depressed all winter long and thinking like, I don't work enough as an artist. Even Produced spent, by Stephanie C. Curtis. Yes, and starring a one-woman show with original songs by Stephanie C. Curtis and Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just doing everything with everybody lately. Little Nas X, they did yes. a thing together. Did you? Did we talk about the song that her uh, that he and Lady Gaga did on Chromatica? Do have we talked about that? I feel you like I? you and I have talked separately. Yes, mm-hmm. it's fine. I don't like it. I'm disappointed just because I'm like, like, they're both so talented. And I'm like, this is the song you did together. Didn't they okay. do a song on art pop together? I think I like that one better. What did they do on art pop? I thought they did something. 
Yeah, we're getting annoying. way off topic. <laughs> when I was young, this is what I happens for when we don't have a guest. It just everything goes off the well, rails. And also because it was Guestoberfest and we recorded everything in the first two weeks, like we, we did, we've a, had a we lot of time a while, off. So. You're just catching it's up. Just That's be all. A silly we can, episode. We can move into the to the juice whenever you're ready. Oh, the juice. The juice. The tea. Whatever you want to call it. Oh, juice tea. Get into it, Congina Londra. Tea juice. Oh, am I Miss Congina Londra? Hey, Congina Londra. <laughs> She's not here. I don't know her. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Leslie. Y'all, Y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? I like his little ghost voice he does. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Well, it's not a ghost, but it is something that is quite spooky. And it's been popping up on my For You page. And I had seen some of these things before, but then these new videos started coming around that just, I will let you Watch them later and decide. Um, But what I'm talking about today are skinwalkers. Okay. Do you know, are you familiar at all with the term? I know anything. I've heard it and I feel like I don't know enough to say anything without sounding completely ignorant. So we'll just say I've heard the word, but I don't really know much about the concept. Cool. So I think I'm, I'm also like I did. I've been going back and forth between do I call this a cryptid? Do I call this folklore? Mm-hmm. What do I call this? It's a kind of it's a kind of a Venn diagram. Yes, and the <laughs> and the term skinwalker can also encompass a lot of different yes. actual. That's entities. why I was like, I feel like I've heard it in different contexts, and I don't know a set thing that's like this is what it means yes. definitively. Exactly, because it other things have been umbrella like looped under mm-hmm. the term skinwalker, right? So, in what we sort of trace the actual term as we know it back to, is specifically the Navajo tribe. And that's what I thought. Yeah, I was like, I thought it has, like, some sort of, like, indigenous... A lot of it is, yes. origin, but that it has been, like many things, bastardized through urban legends and folktale of of other people as well. Exactly. And, yes, most of these cases of people encountering uh, skinwalkers or whatever term you want to call it mainly tend to happen in... On reservations, people who know of the term typically are indigenous peoples. And the term, as we call it, skinwalker, does seem to come directly from the Navajo tribe. Okay. Specific. Specifically, yeah. But again, for the Navajo people, from what I saw in my research, and I want to just point out that this is just me being on the internet. So if I get any of this like totally wrong or I'm off, just let me know. Shoot me an email. Sure. We'll correct it. I'm learning here, too, because it started as me seeing these videos on TikTok and being like, that's crazy. What is this? Let me Google this. So it's Skinwalker is mainly found or is specifically exclusive to the Navajo culture. What is a Skinwalker in the terms of the Navajo culture? It is a type of harmful witch that has the ability to turn into or disguise themselves as an animal. Okay. Is As an animal, specifically. Animal, yes. Okay. To start with. Among different tribes, there are different origin stories for how a skinwalker becomes a skinwalker. Uh, but the one of the main ones I saw was that it starts as a witch or a medicine man in the tribe. They learn both sides of 
witchcraft. They learn the good side and the evil side. Sure. And some of them would totally go over to the evil side, thus making them more powerful. And then when they completed this task, which they called it like the evilest of deeds, and it was usually the killing of a sibling, then at that point they would be granted the powers of a skinwalker. Okay. Which gives them the ability to shapeshift. They're usually described as being coyotes, wolves, foxes, and it's usually the type of thing where it's got sort of the body of a coyote, but the dimensions of a human or you know, some people have posted videos online where it looks like a coyote, but it looks like it's got human legs, like back legs. But the main thing is that they would usually, they walk amongst the tribe as the medicine man during the day as a human. And at night they shapeshift into their animals and then they hunt and prey mm-hmm. on other animals. The other thing that's said about it is occasionally they can take on the bodies and shapes of other humans. And... Once shifted, one way to tell, they say that someone's a skinwalker, is if it's an animal, while it's an animal, it tends to have more human-like eyes that when a light is shined on it, they glow red. And if they're in human form, at that time, their eyes tend to look more animal. And I can't go into sort of the history of skinwalkers without also talking about Skinwalker Ranch which is an entire ranch, which probably put the term skinwalker into the mainstream media before Mm -hmm. anything else. Because I didn't mention it earlier, but while it's a thing in the Navajo culture and the tribe, it is not something that they openly talk about. Mm -hmm. It's just known. Like, that's there. You don't go out at night. You don't mess with that. Just leave it. Like, we know it's there. We don't interact with it. And we want it to stay away from us. We don't talk about it. And they don't speak on it. So then this stuff started happening at Skinwalker Ranch, and it sort of put it more in the media. So Skinwalker Ranch is a ranch in Utah, also known as Sherman Ranch or UFO Ranch. There is a lot happening at this ranch. Uh, It gained attention when the owner, Terry Sherman, came across a wolf the size of a man that was completely unfazed by Sherman's gunshots when he shot at the creature. Then other strange things began happening. UFO sightings, crop circles, and cattle mutilation. At one time, a cow was found with a hole cut into the center of its left eyeball. uh, And another one had its rectum cut out. What? Don't ask me any questions, but I don't know anything else. A how, what, I don't know. Its butthole was cut out. And then, one day, seven cows just disappeared. Gone. Eventually, Terry Sherman sold the property, and the final scary straw for him to sell was he said he heard voices. He'd be out walking his dogs at night, and he would hear voices. It sounded like they were coming on the wind, but they were not speaking a language that he understood. But they sounded menacing and like they were foreboding something and he would just hear these voices like i said the navajo don't speak of the skinwalkers to outsiders many reports say that speaking of them at all can bring bad things upon you but i also figured that like we talked about peggy the doll on this podcast so fuck it we're going to talk about skinwalkers that brings me 
to the next part of this, which is some stories that I found online and some of these TikTok videos. Okay. So a lot of the TikTok videos and some of the stories I see online are talking about the skinwalkers taking a human form. I've heard people call them mimics, but as I did research into mimics and is mimic a folklore, is mimic something, uh, the furthest trace I can find is D&D is a mimic is a character in D and D and that's where that term originated from. And I guess people have just latched onto it to describe this entity, but it is a human figure, a humanoid figure that then can, the sound of either they say, you'll either hear the sound of someone, you know, like it's their voice or it's your voice or it's like a voice that doesn't match the body that you're looking at. And they say that typically this type of skinwalker, mimic, whatever they call them, is trying to take on this form to be familiar to you, to bring you in. And a lot of times the way they do that, like their phrase is like, help me. And so they're trying to pull you in by being like, help me. I need help. Come here. I need help. So that you get there. That's also, well, it's reminding me of like a, of like one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who. That's probably based off of these Where, stories. I think it's called Twilight. I'm trying to remember. But it's basically, there's like eight people on a train and one of them like starts just repeating what everyone on the train is saying. And then like, as they're like, this is weird, like they're trying to figure out what she's doing. Then she starts talking at the same time as mm. people saying exactly what they're saying as they're saying it. And they're on the train is on this like it's on this planet that's like because you know it's Doctor Who, so it's space and the future. Mm-hmm. Um but the planet is like really beautiful. It's like made of diamonds, but the air is like you can't breathe it. So yeah. people go there as like a touristy thing to like go on the space train, train yeah. and look at the really beautiful planet, but like you can't go outside. And they're like talking about like throwing her off the train and like they're all freaking out, like trying to figure out what to do. And they're all just so scared. And I'm like, oh, the episode is so good. But it's like, it's like that where like she's not doing anything and she's not hurting anybody, but the way she's talking and like, she's freaking everybody out. Yeah. And then she starts to say stuff before people. Yeah. So they're like, wait, are you saying that and copying her? Did it move to this person? Or is she now saying what you're saying before you're saying it? Oh my God. It was crazy. But that's what that makes me think of. And that's really scary. Uh, It's super scary. And apparently again, if you're supposed to, you're not supposed to go near them. You're not supposed to really interact with them. And you're not really supposed to turn your back on them <sighs> once you have. Um, because their whole thing is they want to lure you closer to then take your skin and take your form. Oh my God, I hate that. Um, so here's a few. I'm going to start with one of the stories that I read that is crazy. And it's also a secondhand story from someone else's friend, but they posted it on Reddit. Go figure. And it is a post by a user named Thought Ninja. And they did post this story four years ago. So it's a little bit old. But the title is A Potential Encounter with a Mimic slash Skinwalker. So it started at D&D, but people have attributed the term mimic to whatever these entities are. It says, I must preface this with a few things. This encounter is secondhand, but was told to me on multiple occasions by the person that experienced this. 
I'm a natural skeptic and cynic, so I can't say I 100% believe it, but his telling of it was pretty simple yet concise and did not vary between retellings. I've known this guy for many years, and his advice and input on just about any everything is well-reasoned and always helpful, so I'll just take his word on it, even if it's with a grain of salt. So let's get down to business. My friend, we'll call him Marv, likes to go solitary camping on occasion to be one with nature and the things that go along with that. I would never, but good for you, Marv. I don't think I, could, I would ever go camping by myself. Not ever... Not, not after you hear these stories. Well, I was like, that's just that. Not after what, what happened with Gabby Petito. Oh, and my not God. That but she, she went, didn't go alone. Right. I was like, she didn't go alone, but all the bodies that they found in the search for her body. I know. That is what I think of. Like, no, she didn't go alone, but there were all these people that, like, did. They're like, oh, shit. Who is this? I don't even know. Were they out here by themselves? How did they a get out walker here? Get and, they them? Found, and they just find all these bodies. Wild. Well, Marv is out there solitary camping. He is also an avid gun collector and enthusiast. I don't remember exactly when he said this took place, but it was a few years back, and he decided to go camping on a whim. He packed his gear, a few guns, hunting rifle, and a forty-five sidearm specifically, and headed out into the country onto a vast swatch of property owned by a friend of his. He had full permission and the works. This happened to be close to the Kitsachi, probably not saying that right, National Forest in south-central Louisiana. I won't be any more specific than that, safe to say it's miles and miles of forest and wilderness. He liked to hike in pretty deep and camp at a specific spot he had found a few trips prior. These details are sparse as it's not really the meat and potatoes to this encounter. So he made his way up, set up camp in his usual small clearing for the night. Skipping ahead a few hours, it was now late afternoon when he heard leaves crunching and twigs being stepped on. He assumed it was an animal at first and got up from cooking something at the fire to try to get a look. He gazed in the direction of the noise and saw a man approaching through the trees a good many yards away. He has described his etiquette for dealing with other people in very remote places as always being cautious, as more often than not, people he comes across are armed like him. He tries to say as friendly as possible, but still keeps his guard up, looking for any ulterior motives, as you can never tell what some folks are up to out in the middle of the forest. He'll make chit-chat with them, find out generally what they're up to if he can, and occasionally share a meal. He's never really met any nefarious as of yet, but other than the, um, as of yet other than the situation, and maybe one other, but that's a whole order, other ordeal. So one thing that sets off small alarm bells for him is he knows he's the only one with permission to be on this property, and secondly, this guy is not dressed for this location at all. He said the guy was wearing a white t-shirt, short blue jogging shorts, and white socks and sneakers. Mind you, Marv is miles out in the middle of the woods, away from any paths, roadway, houses, or anything. Nobody is going to casually stroll into his current location dressed like that unless they are lost, confused, etc. It was early fall, but not quite cool, which is very normal for Louisiana, so there is still a ton of mosquitoes, ticks, and other insects aplenty. You're not going to have most of your skin exposed if you can help it if you're that deep in the woods. So Marv assumes something might be up, and he calls out, Hey there, do you need help or something? Pretty loud. Definitely loud enough to be heard. But the guy keeps walking forward, staring directly at him. Uh. Marv is starting to get unnerved. And as I said, I know this guy well, and he is as cool as a cucumber in a tense situation. Getting more uneasy as the guy is closing the distance, he gets to his feet and loudly declares, Hey man, can I help you with something or what? The guy is 15 to 20 feet away from Marv, now standing at the edge of the clearing in the forest. 
The guy looking Marv dead in the eyes speaks and clearly says, help me. Marv said he was already starting to get worried at this point because he said the way the guy said this was as if it was something that didn't know exactly how to talk at first. It didn't sound right. The guy, still unmoving, looks at Marv and says, help me. Again, slightly more emphatic, but really just slightly more loud. Marv said this is when he picked up on what was truly wrong about this. He said the timbre of the voice was more female and actually sounded like a recording being played back and that the guy's lip and mouth movements weren't matching up with the phrase. It was like he was just opening his mouth, emitting the phrase, and closing it again. Marv asked, what do you need help with? Not daring to back up or move whatsoever. The guy, still standing motionless as well, looking directly at him, said, help me, again, and repeated the phrase another three times, slowly, but not louder in volume. Marv, now totally unsure of what the hell is going on, interrupts the guy, barking, all right, you need to fucking go now unless you actually need help. Do you need any help or not? He continued loud and firm in tone. The guy didn't miss a beat and started up with the help me's again and made as if to take another step in Marv's direction. Marv told me that he then did the only thing that made... That is so scary. That is fucking terrifying. That is fucking terrifying. Is that just from downstairs? That one was not. That was in this room. Stop. That was that one, wasn't it? It was so loud. Are they all connected, though? That was so loud, wasn't it? Was it not loud to yes, you? Yes, yes. I was like, am I the yes. only one who heard it really loud? No, I just thought because they're all connected in the house that maybe but if the, one goes the off. The little ones, it sounded like this one went off really loud and then another one went off really quiet, like another one in a different room. So, yeah. Right? That's yeah. what it sounded like to me. Yeah. Like if one goes off in the house, they all go off. Oh my God. <laughs> that was so scary. <laughs> I'm not even done with this story. I know. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be hard to edit. Jesus Christ. You shouldn't edit it. You should leave that. I know, but it's going to be so loud. God, that was. I know my heart. Terrifying. (sighs) This is already a scary story. I know. Just wait till I show you the videos. Stepping. I don't want to see that. (laughs) Aren't you glad we have this podcast? I can't handle this today. I I can't handle this today. Stephanie cannot, y'all. I'm so tired. I can't. Okay, so. Uh, oh, my God. You got it. It's fine. We're going to tell them it's it. the one in here, though. Because remember, Mary oh. was like. Well, she said it was just beeping like the batteries were dying. That was beeping like they were cooking downstairs and the smoke alarm went off. You think that's what that was? Yes. It wasn't. It's not beeping like the batteries are dying. Because I was like, I was like, did that go off? And then it makes the other ones do a little beep. And then that's what they're hearing. I don't know. All I know is that was really scary and really loud. I know. I'm, All right. I'm Go pretty ahead. sure it's them cooking downstairs. Well, I'm pretty sure I peed a little bit. That's okay. I won't tell Eric you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> All right. Back to Marv and this uh, person in bike shorts in the middle of the woods saying, help me. So Marv told me he did the only thing that made sense in the moment, and he drew his 45 semi-auto pistol, pointed at the guy, telling him, you need to fucking go. I don't care what you want. The guy starts to get more animated and agitated, actually starting to say the phrase louder now over and over, but not stepping closer or backing away. 
Marv did what he thought was right, given his current predicament, assuming he was dealing with an unstable or potentially dangerous individual, and discharged around into the ground in front of the guy. Now, this is where it gets fully batshit crazy. As the guy stops uttering the phrase, goes completely silent, and still staring at Marv, does full-on backflip somersaults backwards out of the woods and immediately out of sight. Yes, you read that right. Now, I know what you're thinking because I had and still have the same reaction. That sounds like bullshit for sure, but Marv gave no indication of falsehood and told me this multiple times each time in a dead serious demeanor. Yet Marv said the guy backflipped away effortlessly as if pulled back by an unseen tensioned coil. He described it as completely humanly unnatural and totally out of place. The guy had just appeared and repeated the same phrase over and over, eventually becoming almost frantic before Marv shot at the ground before him, causing it to flee. Marv said he just stood there focused on the forest where the guy flipped into and saw and heard no further movement. It was like the guy had never even been there. He stayed like this as the sun began to set and the normal night noises crept in. As I mentioned before, Marv is a pretty unshakable fellow and actually stayed in the area for the night. Fuck that. Nope. And Absolutely next not. night. Absolutely not. Before returning with no further incident. I no. know. No the way. The first thing that would happen would be I would be in that vehicle driving away. Gone. I would be running. Everything that I brought with me, I don't need it anymore. The woods can have it. I don't need it. That thing who black flipped, he, that, there's your tip for the performance. I take it. <laughs> take it. I cannot. Keep the change. So there's more to it of him just sort of describing. It was very weird. The voice was like a girl's. I won't keep going into that. But that's one story that is had. Now I want to show you, just to start sort of wrapping up, I want to show you these TikTok videos. Because they are crazy. So the first one is from this guy who has a ranch, who's posted a few on his Instagram and on TikTok of what he believes to be is a skinwalker on his ranch. He's sitting next to me. <laughs> yeah. You promise you're not a skinwalker? Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Oh, I don't like it. Girl, just wait. No. Just wait. Let me get in here with you. Don't Henry Higgins me. Just you wait. All right. There's one. You heard it. I did. Here's another one. I don't know how real this video is, but it's creepy.
to take that as you will. This is one that I saw that really made me shit my pants. I don't like it. No, don't hold it that close to me. <laughs> don't hold the phone that close to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. She was putting it like right in my face. I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that. it was like I'm the sorry. only thing I'm I could sorry. see as if it was in the room with me. And I don't like that. I'm sorry. Like it's that that's a comfortable distance for me. Okay. It says I heard my own voice calling me from the other room. I don't like that. I don't freaking like that. I don't like that at all. He's got other videos, too, in his house. And then this is one of the most creepy ones. This is the last one I'll show you. Okay. I'll leave it. But it's not moving. I know. It's not. It's just standing there. Like not even moving its head. Yelling help me. It's just standing there. Like it doesn't even look like it's like taking a breath to support that kind of a scream. Right. You know, like it's just there. So those are skinwalkers. That's some of it. Again, there are different variations the term skinwalker sort of encompasses a lot obviously those videos i showed you were just the ones that try to mimic humans there are also images pictures videos of the ones that look like half coyote half wolf but yeah stumbled onto that side of tiktok and it's been an interesting ride and beware the skinwalkers who walk amongst us during the day i hate it you're welcome Remind me to show you the weird part of TikTok that I kind of like, <laughs> that Val is like, I don't like this. I hate it. It's really upsetting. What is it? It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like void core or like weird core. And a lot of it is like, um, it almost looks like it's like an old video game, mm -hmm. but it'll just be like a dark room with like a creepy phrase across the screen. And you're like, is there something in this room? And it's like really, it's just unsettling. Ugh. Right. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, there's like a popular sound that goes perfect with that kind of theme where like, have you heard that sound where it's like, do you want to become a god? Yes. Like, but like, it sounds kind of robotic. Yeah. Like it's that kind of stuff where Got it's like it. the audio is kind of creepy, but the visuals match it where you're just like, this is so unsettling. <laughs> but that's terrifying and I hate it. Well, you're welcome. I had to come back strong from Guestoberfest. I hate that. I hate that so much. That time we it's got a so warning upsetting. with the one downstairs. downstairs. Before the one up here went off first, and it was way scary. That's still really, I hate that. I don't like it. I, like, feel it. I know. I'm scared. I can feel the fire alarm.
I'm terrified. All right, Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? Okay. I have a two-parter that I'm telling this week. Womp, womp, womp. Womp, 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 womp. So I'm going to say buckle up. And I'm going to give... Buckle in. I'm going to give a content warning because I'm going to be talking about uh, murder. And I think in part two, I'll have a more graphic description of something that happened with a victim. But today we're starting with part one. And we're talking about the happy face killer. It doesn't sound happy. It doesn't sound happy. Um, but that's it. So here we go. So that, you know, keeping that in mind, I'm going to be describing some pretty violent crimes. Uh, and some of them also include uh, sexual assault. So putting that out there. So here we go. Good thing I already buckled up. So there's a big deal around our first victim. So the first victim that we are going to discover and learn about is a woman named Tanya Bennett. Tanya Bennett disappeared on the 21st of January in 1990 outside of Portland, Oregon. Okay. Okay? And her family said that like she was, she was a little slow, but at the same time she was the first person in her family to graduate from high school. Uh, She enjoyed reading uh, and she uh, was just really like naive and very friendly. I like to befriend people pretty mm-hmm. easily was very trusting so she was reported missing and her body it didn't take them very long to find it she had been uh, beaten sexually assaulted and ultimately she was strangled to death Ugh. she was left off of i-84 uh, her shirt was over her chest and her pants were around her ankles mm. and um someone found her body like in just in the woods, like off of uh, off of an embankment, mm. uh, again outside of Portland, Oregon, in the Columbia River Gorge. So she was just south of the river, um, and the river, you know, it's a river, it goes whatever. Um, but the gorge is like a deep valley that goes to the river, and it's like a very pretty area. People love to go like camping and stuff out there. But unfortunately, that's also a place where people like to leave bodies. Uh, so she was found, like I said, on the south side of the columbia river gorge we'll remember that for later okay her purse was missing and so was uh so she was wearing button fly jeans so uh that's a specific fashion choice yeah the screen is flashing that's creepy everything is creepy what is happening i don't know i'm trying not to think about it so she was wearing button fly jeans right instead of a zipper uh and the buttons had been cut out so, like, the little strip where the buttons were, that little strip was cut out. And just the strap, like, the little strip where the button holes were was still there. Hmm. So that had been cut from her clothes. And her purse was gone. There was an amateur sketch of Tanya. I say amateur sketch. It was a police sketch, but it was not really. A lot of people said it really did not look like her. So it took a while to find people to come forward or to find anybody that said that they saw her that night. People were like, I've never seen that woman before. But the sketch, a lot of people say, really did not look very much like her. So it didn't really help too much with them finding possible suspects or any information about her whereabouts before uh, she went missing. The last place she was seen was at a bar that was like in, you know, I think it's Corbett is the name of the town. And like I said, it's east of Portland. Mm Mm-hmm. So because they couldn't find a lot of information from her sketch because it didn't really look like her, they set up a Crime Stoppers tip line. And on February 5th, an anonymous tip came in from a woman who identified a 39-year-old logger named John Sosnowski 
saying that he was responsible for the murder hmm. and that she had heard him like bragging about having strangled this woman. Oh my gosh. And she was like, it's definitely him. So about a week later, the Clackamas County Police Department also received a call from a woman naming Sosnovsky and they began to investigate him. So John Sosnovsky was on parole at the time for multiple DUI offenses. So he was he was an alcoholic. So he was a logger by day and alcoholic by night is what uh-huh. 2020 said. But um but uh, uh. But police determined that the anonymous calls were actually coming from his inside the house. 58-year-old girlfriend, Laverne Pavlinak. Who's mad at him? Who's mad at him for what? Oh, I don't know. I'm just waiting. I'm assuming she's calling them in as a false tip. But what makes you you say that immediately? I don't know. It's just because you're like, the calls are coming from his girlfriend. Yeah. So both Sosnovsky and Pavlinak were brought in for questioning. Sosnovsky never implicated himself, but Pavlinak admitted to making the call to the tip line, saying that she heard Sosnovsky admit to it on multiple occasions. And a warrant for a wiretap was granted, and Pavlinak was asked to get Sosnovsky to confess over wiretap in the apartment. Okay. So they put wiretaps in the apartment, and she was having conversations with him about it. And she was like, "You know, you just need to. I'm I, I'm just so worried about like that poor girl's family. Like they they deserve answers. Like re- you really should come forward." And he would say, "Like no, he was just just like no, like I didn't do. I'm not I'm not doing that. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything." Yeah. So even with the the wiretaps, they were never able to get a confession from Sosnovsky. And uh, Pavlinak called the police when she had found a purse matching the description of Tanya Bennett's purse in the trunk of her car. Oh. The purse was full of clippings from newspaper articles about Tanya's murder. And it had the clipping of a button fly (gasps) pair of jeans inside the purse. (gasps) So police interviews with Sosnovsky and uh, Pavlinak multiple times, and Sosnovsky's story never changed, but Laverne Pavlinak's details began to evolve with every interview. Oh, no. Initially, she said that uh, he had been bragging about it after the fact, but then she changed her story and told the police that, in reality, Sosnovsky had called her the night of the murder and told her that he was in trouble and asked her to meet him at a truck stop. When she did, he showed her the body of Tanya Bennett wrapped in a shower curtain and asked her to help him dispose of it. He cut a souvenir from the fly of her jeans. She led police to the exact spot where Tanya Bennett's body had been found. (gasps) So Sosnovsky was arrested for Tanya Bennett's murder. The forensic investigation brought up some shocking results. There was no forensic evidence that in any way took Sosnovsky uh, into having some sort of attachment to this case. There was no evidence in his car that he had ever transported a body. Yeah. Nobody could find the shower curtain that he supposedly carried the body in. And the fly, the button fly, did not match the button fly pants of Tanya Bennett. The fuck? Furthermore, uh, the purse in her trunk that, like, it matched the description of the purse that, you know, Tanya's family said she would have been carrying. But when they showed the purse to Tanya's family, they said they had never seen that before. That was not Tanya's purse. When this information was shared with Laverne, she changed her story once more, this time including herself. She claimed that 
She met Sosnovsky at the truck stop on the night of January 21st and that Tanya Bennett was alive and willingly got into the vehicle with them. Then uh, Laverne said she was driving towards northeast Portland where Bennett said she lived with her mother because they were giving her a ride there. And Sosnovsky was in the car with them and told her, like, started to threaten her, Laverne, and tell her that she needed to get east on I-84. And then he punched Bennett in the face, rendering her unconscious. She said that she then drove to Vista House, which is a historic building that's now kind of like a like a rest area. Mm-hmm. And they went there and inside Pavlinek stated that uh, Bennett made her hold a rope while he raped Bennett or Savznowski made her hold a rope while he raped Bennett. Uh, and the rope was around her neck. And eventually, like, she was strangled to death by the rope while she was being raped. After this confession, Pavlinak was also arrested. So she was on trial at that point for the murder of uh, Bennett, of Tanya Bennett. And Sosnovsky was the whole time, like, pleading innocent that he had nothing to do with this. So once Pavlinak's trial began in January of 1991... She recanted her confession and the entire story. Oh, my God. She's a trip. She said that she lied to police in an attempt to escape her abusive relationship with Sosnovsky. So initially, she told this lie thinking, like, she could get him arrested and they'll take him away. And she said, I started a lie and it snowballed on me. (laughs) And she did it. Sure did. Um, So she testified in court that, like, that that didn't really happen and that she she was just really like out of her mind trying to figure out how to get out of this relationship. She had been with this man for 10 years and he was abusive to her and she started this lie and then she couldn't get out from under it, mm-hmm. right? And the jury was like, yeah, we don't believe that. We think you did it. And she was convicted. She was found guilty and she was sentenced to a life sentence. Wow. And uh, Sosnovsky, who... He had no recollection of can of of doing this murder or this you know this attack, and he was so convinced by Pavlinak's story and by her being found guilty that even though he didn't recall any of this, he assumed he must have like blacked out and done it when he was like an alcoholic bender, yeah, bender, and like didn't remember it. And so he ended up pleading no contest in wow. order to get a life imprisonment. And to avoid the death penalty. Wow. Yes. Meanwhile, while the case was happening to uh, Laverne and to John, which, girl, Laverne, what are you doing? Losing her mind, apparently. While this case was going on, there was a note found written on a bathroom wall in a truck stop in... Uh, Amatia, Oregon, which is like over 150 miles away, that said, I killed Tanya Bennett in Portland. Two people got the blame so I can kill again. Parentheses, cut buttons off the jeans. And in Uh, another rest stop in Livingston, Montana, also like on the other side. So one was like this way, one was this way. These notes in these bathroom stalls. And this one said, I killed Tanya Bennett January 21st, 1990 in Portland, Oregon. I beat her to death, raped her, and I loved it. Yes, I'm sick, but I enjoy myself too. People took the blame and I'm free. And he signed it with a smiley face. There it is. So 
these notes popped up and people didn't believe them. People thought it was a very, just like a morbid prank awful, awful that joke. somebody put there. Mm-hmm. So the the attorneys for Laverne and for John both tried to bring this into trial, but no, that was never shown as evidence because they were like, wow. this just somebody wrote some shit on a bathroom stall. Like, that's not anything real. Wow. Okay. So the main thing that helped put Laverne away was a key piece of the evidence was her taped confession. Like, her being recorded saying saying that she did it that she held the rope oh laverne and laverne's children devoted their time to overturning their mother's conviction that became like what they were trying desperately to do yeah meanwhile i say meanwhile while she's in jail while she's serving time for this crime her and john sosnowski later in 1993 several media outlets and police departments began to receive ominous letters the first was six pages handwritten to the Oregonian. All which right, is that a, is too long. No one asked for your thesis paper. And it was it was handwritten, and it was sent to this major newspaper in Portland, the Oregonian, uh, the Oregonian, <laughs> excuse me, in which the author confessed details of his killing spree. Each of the letters was signed with a smiley face. This led Phil Stanford, the journalist working the story for the Oregonian, to dub the writer the happy face killer. And in the letters, he confessed to killing five women across three states, Oregon, Washington, and California. And that's where I'll be leaving off today. (gasps) So we don't know we'll meet the five next week? We're going to talk about that next week. Wow. But that's where this story leaves off today. Okay. Okay. Tune in next week to find out. Tune in next week to find out what happens. What happens. With the smiley face killer, with Tanya Bennett, who we know she passed away, but we've got these two people sitting in jail for committing Something her murder do, because maybe? one of them confessed to it. Uh, it is so, so complicated. So that's where we're going to leave off now. That's crazy. All and right. We'll, be, and we'll be back next week. Be sure to tune in next week for part two. For part two. That's about it. You right. should you should follow us on all of our social media all the platforms. accounts. You should check out our Patreon. You should email us at deadtimestories with a Z at gmail.com. Yes. You should go to our website, deadtimestories.com. And of course, the best way that you can support us that doesn't cost any money is by leaving us a five star review anywhere where you listen to our podcast. Yep. Please. Thank you. That's it, man. Come back next week and learn more about the smiley face killer. There we go. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Dead Time Time Stories. Thanks for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.